Section 11 of Blackfeet Tales of Glacier National Park by James Willard Schultz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 11 New Robe the Rescuer. In the long ago, before our forefathers had taken this country from the crows, they were one summer camping and hunting on the big river of the north came the evening of a long hot day and a boy of eight or nine winters lone star was his name failed to return to his parents lodge the chiefs ordered the camp crier out and he went all among the lodges shouting the news and asking if any one had seen the boy none had so then the chiefs ordered all the men and youths to go out and try to find him all that moonlit night and all the next day they searched the surrounding country but got no trace of him every alighting buzzard was marked down but in every instance it was found to be feasting upon the remains of game that the hunters had killed so then although his body could not be found most of the people believed that the boy was dead his beautiful sister red cloud woman and his father black bear thought otherwise they believed that he had been stolen by the enemy and publicly all through the camp the two went the girl vowing that she would marry whoever would find her brother the old man adding that she had his permission to make the vow there was in the camp a very poor young man named new robe so poor was he that he had never owned a new robe nor a new shirt nor leggings nor even new moccasins his father and mother were dead and always as far back as he could remember he had worn nothing but the used clothes the charitable had given him he had never been to war had never done anything to make a name for himself but now he was eager to start a quest of the missing boy he had long loved the girl but had never even spoken to her he now went to her and said tell no one about it just silently pray for me i am going to travel far in search of your brother said the girl this is not a time for me to hide my heart from you i have watched you loved you for a very long time but what could i say nothing well i knew that my people would not allow me to marry one so poor as you but now there is hope for us somehow i believe that this trouble is to be the means of bringing us together and with that she kissed him and he went quietly out from camp unobserved by any one and started southward on his quest many days later in the valley of old man's river new robe came upon an old campground of the enemy crows of course for that was then their country from it he found that they had moved south and he followed their trail ever along the foot of the mountains and knew that he was fast overtaking them at the river of many chiefs gathering he found live coals in the ashes of their abandoned fireplaces and so upon arriving at the top of the ridge overlooking this stream he was not surprised to see the lodges of the great crow camp here right here where we are encamped to-night they were set up in a great circle and in the centre of it was a huge lodge covered with old lodge skins the crows were having their medicine lodge ceremonies as soon as night came and before the moon arose new robe descended the hill and entered the camp the people were all of them gathered at the medicine lodge singing and dancing and fulfilling their vows to the sun so he went from one living lodge to another 
looking into each for some sign of the missing boy. By the time he had made the round of the lodges of half the circle, it was midnight, and the people were beginning to go home to sleep. He left the camp and went back on the ridge, having found no trace of the one for whom he searched. The next night New Robe descended the ridge and searched the lodges of the other half of the circle, and found not what he sought. When he had finished, the people were still gathered at the medicine lodge, and desperate and knowing well the great risk that he would incur, he went toward it and stood at the outer edge of the great crowd and watched the ceremonial dancing of the different warrior clans. He kept his face partly concealed with his old robe and moved from place to place around the outer circle of the people, and none observed him, so intent were they upon watching the dancers. At last, during a quiet interval between dances, he imagined that he heard someone groaning, but look where he would he could see no one in distress, nor could he locate the exact place from which the groaning came. It was a light-voiced groaning, such as a child would make. He felt sure that it came from Little Lone Star, somewhere in that great lodge and in great pain. He left the place, went outside the circle of lodges, and lay down. It was long past midnight when the people returned to their lodges. Then, as soon as the camp became quiet, New Robe returned to the medicine lodge and, listening, heard faint groaning and located it. It came from the top of the center-post, where all the sacrifices to the sun were hung. He was sure, then, that it was no other than Lone Star up there, lashed to the post, a living sacrifice to the sun, and there to die. Well he knew that there, within the lodge, were sleeping the women who had vowed to build the great structure in honor of the sun and there, too, in his secret, walled-off little inner lodge, slept the medicine-man whose duty it was to drive back approaching thunder-clouds and rain. He had to risk awakening them. He had at least to attempt to rescue the boy. So, casting off his robe, he climbed the outer wall of the lodge, and from it crawled along one of the big long poles that slanted up to the center-post. There he found Lone Star firmly lashed to one of its forks, and so far gone that he could no longer even groan. Silently, very carefully, New Robe unwound the lashing, and then, fastening an end of it under the boy's arms, let him down to the ground. He then descended, and found that the boy was so numb that he could not walk. There was but one thing to do, then. He took the helpless one upon his back, stole out of the lodge, and started with him across the big campground. Dawn had come, as he was passing the circle of lodges, an early riser, a woman, saw him, and with her shrieks aroused all the nearby sleepers. They rushed out, warriors and youths, the women following, and overtook him. He made no resistance. He could have left the boy and made his own escape but he would not do that. Several old warriors seized him and the boy, and hurried them to the lodge of the head chief, the women and the youths following, and crying out that they be killed. Inside the lodge the chief motioned them to seats, and in signs asked Nuro what he had to say for himself. 
I came not to harm you, New Robe answered, nor to take from you anything that is yours. I came to find this boy, and take him back to his mourning father and mother and sister. And where did I find him? Tied to the center-post of your medicine lodge, there to die from want of water and food, a living but dying sacrifice to the sun. That were too cruel a thing to do. I ask you not to put him back there. If he is to die, I die with him. Shoot us, stab us, kill us in any way you choose, so that our death be quick." The chief gave him no answer to that. He counseled with the other chiefs for a long time, and at last signed to him, "'You are so brave that we shall give you and the boy a chance for your lives. You are to remain here in this lodge to-day, to-night, to-morrow, and the following night. My young men will keep watch on you, so do not attempt to escape. On the morning following your second night here, you are to be given your chance to leave us unharmed. I shall not now tell you what that chance will be. And then, turning to his men, he gave them certain orders, and they hurried from the lodge. During the two days and two nights, New Robe prayed as he had never had before, prayed for strength and courage to succeed in whatever he should be told to do. The people of the lodge treated him and the boy well. They did not want for food, nor anything else that would make for their comfort. Early in the morning, after the second night, the chief signed to him, It is not my fault, nor the fault of my under-chiefs, that you have to undergo this trial for your life and that of the boy this day. My people were crying for your lives. They wanted to drag you two out from here and fill your bodies with arrows. I did not want them to do that. My council of chiefs did not want it done. So we counseled together and hit upon a way to give you a chance for your lives. It is not an easy thing that you have to attempt, but I hope you will succeed. And whatever happens, believe this, I have done the best for you that I could." A little later, soon after the morning meal, the chief signed the two captives to follow him and led them to the medicine lodge. In front of it were seven fresh buffalo bull heads, which a number of men were skinning, and out in front of them, in a great half-circle, were gathered every man, woman, and child of the Mountain Crow tribe. New Robe wondered what was to be done with the seven buffalo heads. He suspected that they were to be in some way used in his trial for life. Come, the chief signed, and led him and the boy to the entrance of the medicine lodge. There they stood, the mark of many flashing angry eyes, and presently the skinners finished their work, and an old chief placed the shining skulls in a line out from the doorway of the lodge, each one of them a long step distant from the other. Again the head chief made signs to New Robe. This is your trial for life, he said. You are to take the boy on your back and step from one to the other of those skulls until you step upon the last one. Pass from it to the ground. If you succeed in doing that, you and the boy are free to go to your home, and none of my people shall harm you on your way. But should you slip from a skull, and even so much as touch the ground with your toe, to save your balance, then the warrior standing out there will fall upon you and kill you both. 
New Robe looked long at the seven skulls, considering what he should do. Being freshly skinned, he knew that they were very slippery. And then, which would be safest, to step slowly, carefully, from one to another, or make a run across them, touching each one quickly, lightly? They were far apart, too far for slow, deliberate stepping. He concluded that the thing to do was to start running from the back of the lodge, and go along the line of them as fast as he could with his burden. He signed to the chief that he would do that, and led the boy to the back of the lodge. While going there, another thought came to him. He got back of the boy and stooped, and while pretending to fix the young one's belt and leggings, kept spitting in two places upon the ground. He then stepped squarely in each pool of the spit, and then upon soft ground and coated his moccasin soles with the sandy earth. Then, suddenly swinging the boy to his back and running swiftly across the lodge, he lit upon the first skull with his right foot and went leaping on from one to another as fast as he could with the weight upon his back. The third skull began to turn with him, and he made a weak leap from it, barely alighting upon the next. But it held firm, and he made a sure leap from it to the next, and from that to the next, and then stepping squarely upon the seventh, the last skull, passed from it to the ground, and released the boy from his back. The crowd stood silent, sullen, watching him. The head chief came to his side and spoke to them, and they suddenly broke out in loud cheers. The chief then signed to New Robe, There is one thing more you are asked to do before we send you home. You do not have to do it, but we hope that you will. Come with me. They went to the lodge of a young chief, and when they were seated, the chief signed to New Robe, My father, once a great chief, is an old man. He does not want to die of old age and long and painful illness, and he wants a chance to kill one more enemy before he dies. He wants to fight you. If he kills you, then that will be good. If you kill him, then you shall have his war-horse and all his weapons, and I will give you a fine present, and you and the boy shall go to your home in perfect safety. Now, what say you to that? I have no weapons new robe objected weapons you shall have the other replied all the warriors of the camp are anxious to loan you what they have you shall go with me and examine what they have until you find just what you want new robe considered the matter if he won out what honor what a coup it would be to return to his people with the weapons and the war-horse of his enemy if he lost if he was killed a sudden doubt struck him, and he asked, If I fall, what will become of the boy? We promise you now, the chiefs both answered, that in that case some of us will take the boy to within sight of the camp of your people, and send him safely to it. I take your word for that, and now give me my weapons, said New Robe. He was offered his choice of many bows and spears, war-clubs and knives, but took only a short, lithe bow and a handful of well-feathered arrows. Then, standing within the circle of the lodges, he awaited the coming of the old chief. He soon appeared, wearing a beautiful war costume and riding a sorrel pinto war-horse. 
and now, dressed as he was and easily controlling his fiery-tempered mount, he did not seem to be so very old. At a distance one would have thought him a young warrior. His weapon in hand was a long scalp-tufted spear. On his back he carried a bow and otter-skin quiver of arrows, and in his belt, in a handsome sheath, quill-embroidered, was his knife. Said New Robe to himself, he looks strong, and he is brave. Well, I too must be brave and watchful. Forth and back across the other side of the big circle rode the old man, singing a war-song, brandishing his spear, keeping his prancing war-horse well in hand, and then suddenly urging him forward, he came swift as the wind at New Robe, and he, dropping his tattered wrap, awaited his coming with ready bow. On he came, shouting his war-cry, and when quite close New Robe let fly his long and heavy-shafted arrow. It struck the old warrior fair in the ribs. He flinched, the mounting blood choking off his war-cry, but on he came, and with a last great effort hurled his spear, and fell from his horse, and died died without knowing that the weapon had passed high over new robe's head and then what a shout went up from all the people shouts of honour for the old chief who had preferred death in battle instead of in his lodge and shouts too for the young man who had so bravely faced him new robe knew not what to do he stood looking this way that way uncertainly then came to him the son of the old dead chief, and signed to him to take the horse and the weapons of his enemy, and he did so. Then the young man brought to him another horse, a big and gentle black. I said that I would give you something, he signed, and here it is. The boy can ride it home. You may now go, both of you, and go without fear of pursuit. Not a man in this camp shall follow you and without wasting any time the two mounted the horses and rode northward away from the camp in the blackfeet camp lone star's father and mother grieved more and more for the loss of him but his sister red cloud woman would not believe that he was dead had somehow faith that he was alive that new robe would find him and bring him safely home and at last, when she saw that her father and mother were likely to go mad from grief, she told them that New Robe had gone in search of the boy, and that she would marry him even if he returned alone. Morning after morning she went up on a butte close to camp and watched the great plain stretching away to the south, and all day long, and often on her couch at night, prayed for the safe return of brother and lover and then at last after many many days of worried watching she saw two riders coming from the south across the plain and sure that they were those she had been praying for ran to meet them they were the missing ones they sprang from their fine horses and she kissed first her brother and then clung to new robe i am right now your woman she cried and kissed him again and i am proud to be your woman she went on so take me up behind you, and we will all ride home. She got up behind him on his prancing war-horse, and as they rode in he quickly told her of his adventures, and how, at last, he had fought and killed the old war-chief, 
and for that had been given the two horses and all the weapons and fine war clothes she saw so it was that coming into camp she had the tale of his brave deeds to shout to the people and they gathering close around honored his name and gave him a chief's greeting yes the poor orphan had within the length of one moon become a chief and had made a mourning father and mother happy that very night he and red cloud woman were given a lodge of their own and their happiness was complete end of section eleven